Acts chapter 16. We'll begin at verse 6. And the word of the Lord reads, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Magia, they attempted to go into Bethania, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mashiach, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Theatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. May the Lord have a blessing upon the hearers and doers of his word. Amen? Amen. I want to tag this message this morning, Are You a Winner? So it's a little different in your bulletin. We're changing it. God laid something else on my heart in regards to this passage. Are you a winner? Many of us, we don't like to lose at anything. Right? We don't enter into any contest or do anything to lose. I don't care how sanctified and saved you are. Many of us don't like to lose. Well, the question I pose to you this morning is, are you a winner? But more importantly than us winning some things that we like to compete in, are you a winner of souls? Many of us, we may focus and be preoccupied with how our team may be doing in the NCAA. Are we winning in the brackets? Are we winning at some particular contest? Are we, are we a winner in the sport? Maybe that we... Um, uh, that we are in, whether that be football, basketball. Maybe some of us like to win arguments, and we don't like to lose those arguments, so we want to make sure that we win those arguments. we got to have the last word. Uh, unfortunately, some of us want to win at the pick threes or the lottery. Certainly no one here, amen. But I know some people like that. So the question that again I pose to you, are you a winner? Are you a winner of souls? If you have been born again by your, through your faith in Jesus Christ, know that God calls his people to win souls. Above anything else, that is what God has called his people to be on mission to win souls. Are we really focused on winning souls? Or are we preoccupied with maybe other things? being successful at certain things or whatever the case may be. I think we'll see through the passage today 
uh, that God issues and asks or issues a, a, a declaration. He issues to his people to win souls. And the question I have for you today, are, are you winning souls? Are you, are you going to answer the call to win souls? I pray that through the message today, you'll see what answering the call to win souls looks like. As we look at this passage this morning, we see uh, the Apostle Paul and, and the other disciples, the Apostle Paul and Silas and Timothy, uh, these three are on their second missionary journey, and we see them going throughout the region, uh, looking to go through Asia with the whole purpose of winning souls. They're answering the call to win souls. The one thing that we need to understand that the call to win souls is not a call from your pastor. It's not a call from the church. It's a call from God himself. So when God issues a call to win souls, will we ignore him or will we answer that call? We see Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they answer that call. We see them on this journey and they're, they're going throughout the region, it says, of Pergia and, and Galatia. And they're going throughout having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So they're going throughout, they're, they're on this missionary journey, they're, they're answering the call, they hear God, they know God's, God's call for his people, not just apostles, not just, just uh, the, uh, you know, the, the elders or whomever it may be in the church, but they know and understand that God's call is to each and every person who has been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. So that call is not just to the pastors, that call is not just to missionaries who may go abroad and focus primarily on sharing the gospel with other people groups who have never heard of Jesus Christ. That call is for each and every person here. It doesn't matter your age, whether you're a senior, whether you're younger, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how much you know about the Bible. That call is to each and every person who has been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. And Paul, Silas, Timothy, they acknowledge, they understand that this call is for them, and this call is for every, every Christian. If we're going to answer the call to win souls, there are some things that we can see in this passage that we can take from and prayerfully we will walk away and we will answer the call to win souls. That our minds will be transformed from just being focused just on our own missions to being on mission for Christ. The first thing that we see in this passage that if we're going to answer the call to win souls, that we got to share God's concern for the lost. We must share God's concern for the lost. Oh, how God loves those who are lost. Because he loved you and me, amen? Oh, how he loves those who are lost. No one cares for the lost like the Lord God. Cared enough to send his son, Jesus Christ, to down that old rugged cross. Jesus Christ himself cared enough to, to step down off of his throne in glory in heaven. To put on the flesh, to become incarnate, man in the flesh, God, man, to become, uh, to become the one who would die on the cross for our sins. I could just imagine in heaven, 
the angels who beheld God's glory, who beheld the Son of God before eternity, in eternity's past, where they saw Jesus Christ and they, they, got, they began to see this, this plan of redemption unfold. And where God, Jesus Christ was once on the throne, now he is baby Jesus. And if I can imagine, if we could talk to the angels, I'd be like, they have no idea the magnitude of God's care and his concern for his people. David himself said in Psalm 8, he said, when I look at the heavens and the stars that you have put in place, the, the moon and the, the stars, what, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you, that you care for him? David didn't have the Hubble telescope, but he can look up in the sky and he can say, what is man that you, that you are mindful of him? What, who am I that you're mindful of me, God? The Hubble telescope, they said that it recently, it recently uh, discovered what they call some monster stars, some stars that, that are just truly huge, that are 100 times bigger than our sun and are so much more brighter than our sun. And, and I wish that everyone really maybe truly had an, a, a fascination with maybe the universe and stuff like I do because I think when you look at the universe and you, and you understand the magnitude of how big it is, I think it really humbles you and it really helps to, to put into perspective just how, how awesome and how mighty our God is. But at the same time, it helps, to, it helps to bring us to that same question that David asked in Psalm 8, that, that what is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Why are you mindful of us, God, that you would send your son to die on the cross for us? Think about all of your sin, think about how we rebelled against God, how we, were, how we really had no intentions on following Christ. When we were doing our own thing, cursing God. And yet Jesus Christ died on the cross when we were yet in sin, as it says in Romans 5, 8. He demonstrated his love that while we were yet sinners, he, he died on the cross for us. That is love. That is care. Oh, what a love. How, what is the depth and the height and the breadth and the length of his love? Can you, can you imagine just his care and his concern? This is the love that God has. This is the care that God has. And we see this in this passage. We see this in this passage because we see Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they, they're going throughout, but I want to take, take the attention off of them for a second, and I, see what, I want you to see what God is doing here. Because this says a lot about God. Because when we look at this passage... And we, and we see the disciples going throughout, we see the work of the Holy Spirit. And that is God. We see verse 7, it says, And when they had come to Messiah, they attempted to go in Bethania, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. The Spirit of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. And he says, So passing by Messiah, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Come over to Macedonia and help us. The, the, the disciples, they're, they're going throughout, they're, they're, they're planning on going into Asia, but God sets up a roadblock through the Holy Spirit. God prevents them in some way, we don't know exactly how, but some way God prevents them from going over into Asia at that time. And he points them to Europe instead. He gives them a vision. He gives Paul a vision, it says, in the night. A man of Macedonia 
was standing there, urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. God shows his concern through the guidance of his Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but when I was looking at this passage, I was thinking, man, how, we, we should be so grateful, many of us who are, are now in Christ Jesus, because there was some, some people, I don't know who it was, but because they answered the call to win souls, and because they heeded the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, they led you and were instrumental in leading you to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit in them was moving in such a way, and when we were acting up, when we were acting crazy, when we were doing our own thing, the Holy Spirit says, here, they need your help. They need your help. When we were in the club doing our own thing, when we were in the room doing something we shouldn't have been doing, when we were on the computer doing something we shouldn't have been doing, when we were just not following Jesus Christ and trying to live a morally righteous life, God sent someone our way. They need your help. They need Jesus Christ. There's somebody maybe you can look at in your life. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe it's somebody in your family. Maybe it's Big Mama. I don't know. You know how somebody in your family that was instrumental over the years by the guidance of the Holy Spirit to try and lead you to Jesus Christ because they knew that you needed the help of Jesus Christ. You needed to be saved. And because of that person surrendering and being faithful to the call to win souls, because of that, you are now sitting here before God saved and called a child of God. We should at times take, if there's somebody in our life who's been instrumental, we should go to that person at times and be like, thank you for, thank you for, 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 for just surrendering and being faithful to God. Thank you, mom and dad, for being faithful to God and leading me to Jesus Christ. When I didn't want to go to church, when I didn't want to do these things, when I didn't, I had no, no uh, desire to pursue Jesus Christ. Thank you for not giving up on me. And thank God because it was the Holy Spirit in them that was saying, they need your help. They need your help. And when we didn't know, we didn't, we didn't know any different. And the Holy Spirit was guiding, just like he's leading Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and telling them, not Asia at this moment, go over to Europe. Help is needed. Sometimes we get caught up, we see these visions, we see, we see this, this vision, uh, and, and a vision appeared to Paul, and we think, man, why don't we have visions like that today? I want to see a vision. I want to wake up in the night and see a vision. Be careful. Be careful. But you know, the truth is, God gives us, he gives us visions throughout the day, all the time. The only thing you got to do is just look at your TV. The thing you got to do is look at Facebook. The only thing you got to do is look at the, the newspaper. Just go outside. You, you'll see visions of people needing help all day long. We, can, we don't even have to go that far. The only thing we got to do is just look at our families. And we can see the call for help. God is issuing these visions. He's helping us to see that there are some around us who need help. Will we answer the call to win souls? Like Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Will we answer that call? 
God shows his concern through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. How do, how do we know if we're concerned about the loss? We can take a quick litmus test. How often, how often this, just this week, how often have you thought about somebody who's lost? Have you thought about, you know, and been burdened by the fact that, man, this person doesn't know Jesus Christ? Or even ask the question, do they know Christ? I wonder if they know Jesus Christ. How often have you prayed this week for somebody who doesn't know Christ? Somebody who you know is lost. How often do you, when you get books, uh, do you look to see, okay, let me try to get a book on evangelism to try to help me to be a little bit better at, at sharing Christ? Are we more concerned about our loved ones being successful in the public square than we are about their salvation? Because I think a lot of times this will be focused on if our, if, our, if our loved ones are doing well, they can support themselves, they're independent, sort of say. Are we more concerned about their success in the public square doing good in school, doing, having a successful job, are we more concerned about that than we are about their salvation? Or are we still burdened by that? Lord, thank you for where you have them, but save their soul. Because those things will, will not last. They will fade away. And so, do we have that concern? God shows his concern through us, his people, those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. He works through us to show his concern for the lost. That's what we see with Paul, Timothy, and Silas. God working through them to show his concern for those who don't know who Jesus Christ is. We see Paul and Timothy, or, and Silas, they're, they're going throughout, and they see this vision in verse 9, we see their concern because we see they respond urgently to that call that, that God issued. In verse 10, and it says, and when Paul had seen the vision, it says, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia. And what did they conclude? Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul said, immediately we went. We did not delay. That's a picture of concern. That's a picture of care. I don't know if you're like me sometimes when we, when we think about maybe uh, sharing the gospel or reaching out to somebody who we know is not saved. If you're like me, sometimes we, we may say, okay, I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll call them next week. Somebody else maybe will do it. But not here. When those who have a concern and a care for the lost, you're so burdened by the fact that they don't know Jesus Christ. You're like, okay, I don't know when Jesus Christ is going to come, and I don't know if this person, how long this person is going to be here. They can die tomorrow, so I need, to, I need to take every opportunity I have to try and share Jesus Christ with them. And that's what we see here is that they, they, they hurry up. They, they, they don't delay it at all in going to, to show their concern and their care for the lost. God actively pursues the lost through his people. He actively pursues the lost through you and me. Actively pursues the lost through you and me. We see that in Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Don't get, don't get distracted by the word preach. Some of us may think, I'm not a preacher. You may, that may not be, your call may not be to, per se, to be a preacher, but everyone is a minister of the gospel. Every born-again believer is a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Called us for missions. Called us to, 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 to missions. Now that we have been saved, called us to go out and share the good news with those who don't know. If you, I know that we can be, if you're like me, you look at that litmus test and you say, okay, man, I haven't really thought about someone who's lost in, in maybe a while. I haven't maybe prayed for somebody who's lost. The good news is that care and that concern doesn't come just from within our own selves. It comes from the Holy Spirit, which God gives us. Because God, when we're saved, he gives us the Holy Spirit and he pours out his love into us. And that love is to be poured out into others and shown, into, shown to others as well. Paul, Silas, and Timothy weren't just showing this concern. They weren't super, uh, super disciples or Christians, but they were, they were those who were filled by the Holy Spirit and were able to show that love to those who were lost as well. Because they recognized where they were at one time. As Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, and you were once dead in the trespasses and your sins, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of the world, the spirit of God, that, that, that the spirit of Satan that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God. Paul saw the but God and, he, and, and Silas and Timothy and they knew and they said, okay, we, this news is too good to keep to ourselves. Because I believe in the power of God. I, I, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. They understood. They believed that. They believed in the gospel enough to say, okay, we have the answer to that, their problems. I see the vision of the Macedonian man, and I know that they need the gospel. We have the answer to their problems. You have the answer to man's greatest problem, the good news. Man's greatest problem is not more money. It's not a better political system. It's not greater jobs. All those things, they may help, but that's not man's greatest problem. Man's greatest problem is sin. And because of their sin, being separated from a holy God. And unless they come to know of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for their sins, and then putting their faith in him, they will, they will die in their sins, and, and one day they will be judged by God and spend eternity in hell apart from him. That's the reality. That's man's greatest problem. Paul, Silas, and Timothy knew they had the answer to man's greatest problem. They had the solution. And they didn't delay to go and share that 
with those in, in Macedonia, in Philippi. When you know you have the answer to man's greatest problem, it leads you to answer the call to win souls. We answer the call not only by sharing God's concern, but also by being a bearer of good news. So not only do we answer the call by, by sharing God's concern for the lost, but we also must be a bearer of good news, and that's what we see Paul, Silas, and Timothy doing. Three of them leave, and then we see a fourth one join them. Luke joins them here. We see at verse 11, or, or verse um, 11, we see, so setting sail from Troas, it says, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remain in this city some days. You see in verse 11 where it just kind of shifts from Luke, Dr. Luke here, who wrote the book of Acts. Verses 6 through 10, he's speaking in a way that says that this is what they did, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And then in verse 11, it shifts and he says, we. So Paul actually joins them, uh, not Paul, but Luke actually joins them as well. So he says, setting sail from choice, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace. And the following day to Neapolis. And so Paul and the disciples, they're, they're, they're finding their way to, to Europe, to Asia, or to Europe, to specifically to Philippi, after being led by the Holy Spirit. And we see that they not only share God's concern for the lost, but they also become bearers of good news. They're bearers of good news because wherever God led them to, they, that's where they were going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the same message for us. Wherever God has you, that's where we need to share the gospel. We don't always need to go on a missionary trip somewhere abroad. Though that's not bad, that's, that's what God calls us to do as well. But we can share it right in our homes or share it in, our, in, 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 those, in our, the, those around us who are close to us. And that's what we see Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, they all are in Philippi, and they're looking to share the good news. Being on mission for God never stops. It's not an event. It's not something where we just say on Saturday, let's go out for about two hours, and let's, let's go to share the gospel, and when we're done, we're done. It's something that we're to be doing all the time. We're to be on mission at the school. We're to be on mission in our homes. We're to be on mission in the workplace. It may look different in each one of those, but that should be our focus. Lord, use me. How can I, how can I be a bearer? How can I share the good news with, with someone at work? Open a door so that this can take place. That's what the disciples, we see them looking for opportunities to share the good news. If you're going to be a bearer of good news, you've got to look for those opportunities. We've got to be intentional about doing that. And if we're if we haven't really been doing that, that's something that we really just need to continue to pray about and continue to just uh, ask God to move in our hearts to have that desire. Lord, help me to be conscious of those who don't know you. That I don't lose sight of those who don't know you. Help me to not be so preoccupied and distracted by what is going on around me and in my life that I, I, that I forget about the loss. Because if we're honest with ourselves, that's what happens a lot of times. We're so busy. We're doing so many things. We have so many things to do that we just, we're, we're just so consumed by it that we don't 
we're, we're, we, we can't share the good news. We're not focused on the law. So burdened, burdened down by so many things. And, but we see Paul and the others, they acknowledge and they recognize that their need to, to bear the good news. And we see in verse 13, after they had remained in Philippi some days, it says, on the Sabbath day, they went outside to the, to the gate, went outside the gate to the riverside where they supposed there was a place of prayer. And they sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. So on the Sabbath day, they went outside the gate to the riverside where there was a place of prayer. Now, we, we, we gather that there wasn't a synagogue, a local synagogue in Philippi because they went outside. The place of prayer was typically a synagogue. But they had to go outside. They were outside. They went to the, by the riverside here where there was a place of prayer. There was no physical synagogue there. Uh, there in, 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 the, in, the, in Judaism, there had to be, in, in a town, there had to be at least 10 men in order for there to be a synagogue who can regularly attend. So that lets us know that there, there had to have been a very small community of, of Jewish men there. It couldn't have been many because they didn't have a synagogue. And so Paul and Silas, Timothy and Luke, they're going throughout Philippi. They, they go to where there's a place of prayer. There's no synagogue, but there's a specific place in which those who uh, may be Jews or, or maybe those who uh, are of the, uh, maybe have, have some worship of, of God, go to and, and, they, and they worship. And so that's where Paul and the others go. And they're not going just to pray. They're going with the intention of sharing the good news. They're bearers of good news. They're being intentional. When we look at this, they're heading to this place of prayer. Their actions were speaking louder than their words. Sometimes we can pray, but not go. But the disciples were not just focused on prayer alone. They were focused on doing what God had called them to do, answering the call. And so we see them looking for an opportunity. They go to the place of prayer, and they see some women there. The one thing that stands out here is that if we're going to be bearers of good news, we got to look beyond the superficial as well. The superficial is kind of the surface of the things, the things that we see. We have to look beyond the superficial. Paul and the others did not, they did not see gender. They did not see race. They, or they looked beyond that. They looked beyond gender. They looked beyond race. They looked beyond social status. And they looked beyond religion. Because we see here, they approached the women. They spoke to the women who had come together. One who, they, who heard us, they said, was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. Now again, Lydia was a woman. Lydia was also a Gentile. Lydia was also wealthy. Lydia had it going on. Anyone who sold purple goods was wealthy because purple, purple goods were it was expensive. And so Lydia, she had it going on. She was also, it says, a worshiper of God. So she had, 
come to, to know of, of the God of the Jews, and, and she's there and she's worshiping in some way as well. But Paul and the others did not allow some of those things to, to keep them from sharing the gospel. They, they didn't allow the fact that Lydia was a woman keep them from sharing the gospel. They didn't allow the fact that she was, she was not a Jew keep them from sharing the gospel. They didn't allow the fact that she was wealthy and had money keep them from sharing the gospel. Or even the fact that she could talk about God keep them from sharing the gospel. There's a lot of times people can talk about God really well. And if they can mention God or Jesus Christ, we will, not, we will, we will think that they're Christian. But Paul was not swayed by that. They knew that she did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. She didn't know Jesus Christ as her Savior. And so they took that opportunity to talk with her, to sit down. They were intentional. There are some young, or there are some single women here today. They may have good jobs, economically, doing well. But that job is not going to it's not going to save you. Lydia had, she had servants. She had her, she had her own home. She, she had money. But Paul and Silas knew that that wasn't going to save her. That she needed the gospel. They weren't, they weren't going to allow the fact that she was a Gentile keep them from, from approaching her. Because the fact is, Many people can talk about God, but be far away from God. Jesus Christ himself said in Matthew 7, 22, he says, there will be many who will say to me on that day, they say, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then Jesus Christ says, I will declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, you work, workers of lawlessness. So just because someone mentions the name of Jesus Christ, just because somebody says God is good, that don't mean that they know Jesus Christ and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to understand and ask, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? If you were to die today, do you, do you know where you would go and, and why is that? And so we need to we need to look beyond the surface of things, look beyond the superficial. Paul and others did that because they knew that God shows no partiality. And they knew that. I know I was just coming, I remember I was just on a, on a flight back um, from Atlanta and, and um, you know, I was on the plane and and had been on for a while, you know, I'm reading and, and everything, you know how you do, you try to read a little bit, so I'm, I'm reading, probably reading the Bible or something like that, and, and we're probably about 15 minutes or so from, from Louisville, and um, getting ready to make that descent, and, and it almost as if the Holy Spirit was like, okay, so you've been looking at this passage in regards to answering the call to win souls, what about the one next to you? And I didn't, certainly didn't hear the Holy Spirit, but it, it, you know, sometimes you get that conviction of the Holy Spirit, whereas I convict you of, okay, what about the one next to you? And, you know, sometimes we can come up with all types of excuses. Oh, we're about, I'm, we're about ready to land right now, you know. It's, 
don't have enough time to share the gospel. My gospel story presentation is so long and so good that I need more time. And so uh, this young, uh, and I'll say uh, uh, younger uh, white uh, lady was, was next to me, and, and, you know, sometimes we just don't know where to start. And when we're looking to share the gospel, we just need to start, start up a conversation. And so that's what I did. I just asked her, so what brings you to Louisville? And she talked about how she was, on, she was going for, on business and how she was on business and coming to Louisville. And then we just kind of started talking about that and where she's from. And she talked about how she was from Michigan, a small town in Michigan. And, and, and at the same time as she's talking, I'm trying to figure out an opportunity to kind of get the gospel in. So that's what you do. You're, you're looking, you're, you're, you're trying to strike up the conversation. And many times, God will set it up in such a way that God's like, okay, here it is. Sometimes we miss it. We're just like, okay, I don't know what, what happened here. But if God is leading you, be sure God is going to give you an opportunity. And so she's talking about this and, and how she's from a small town. And, and then... Um, Somehow she mentioned about her father, who was a min- is a minister. Mm. There it is. That's, the, that's my cue. So it's like double dutch. You know, when you double dutch, you try to get into the, like, okay, here, it's, it's going to come. I'm going I'm to jump in. So that's my cue. Don't miss it. Don't miss it, Maceo. Don't, don't go bad. So I was like, okay, so what, how can I go? What, what question can I ask? So I asked her, I said, so... How about, how your father being a minister, how did that shape your life, you know? Trying to see which direction she went. And oh man, praise the Lord. She said, well, you know, one time I was kind of going that way, but now I'm just kind of in the middle. I'm, I'm not really, you know, I just, I just have trouble with some things. And, and she opened up and she was like, well, you know, what about those who, who are really good and they don't, and, and they, you know, they may be atheists or whatever the case may be, but what about them? What about those who of other religions, Hinduism and Buddhism and, and all these things? And, and what about them? Do they, do they just go to hell? And she was like, I know some people who are, who are atheists who will, will, will go far out of their way than, than anybody else. So what about them? What happens to them? And so at that moment, I, I, I had the opportunity to, and I, I was able to share the gospel, really helping her to try to see that all of us, regardless of where we're from or, or who we are, that, that we all fall short of the glory of God. That we're all in sin. And I just really, you know, I was just thanking the Lord because he was, he was giving me things to really just to kind of help, help her to see why Christianity had the answer, why the gospel was the answer. Church wasn't the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. Religion is not the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. And she was, she was real attentive. She was, she was listening. To, to the point, I was like, man, this is kind of, you know, she's like really listening. And, you know, I got to share the gospel, and, and, and I don't know, you know, I just, the intent was really share the gospel, and, and, and prayerfully, and I prayed that, Lord, that the Lord would, would, would take that seed that was planted, and he would give it to grow. I might not see it, but I pray that he would give it the growth. Maybe she'll go back to her father when she gets home or something. I don't know. 
And that's what we have to keep in mind, that sometimes we may not actually see the fruit, but just trusting in the Lord to give it the growth. That we just plant the seed and be like, okay, Lord, I was faithful to do what you called me to do. And there have been many times where I, I, I didn't do that, where many times that I did not take those opportunities that God had put before me. So, so that was just one which I can mention, but I can tell you many others where I was like, man, I missed that one. And God is calling us, are you, go, are you going to answer the call to win souls? But we have to be intentional. We have to see our mission as being bearers of the good news. So whether we're on the plane, whether we're in the workplace or wherever we may be, and if you're in the workplace, I know you have to be kind of careful at times, but just looking for those opportunities, striking up a conversation with someone, and then looking for that bridge to get to Jesus Christ. And you'd be surprised at what people will, will, will reveal to you. They'll tell you their hurts and their pains. They'll tell you what they're struggling with. And we have the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. You have the answer. This treasure that we have to, to, to offer the world. And I know it can be intimidating at times. You're like, I don't know where to start. What if they ask me a question I don't know? Sometimes you can just be like, I don't have the answer to your question. But I do know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. I do know the impact that he's had on my life. This is where I once was, and I know what Jesus Christ has done in my life. So you may not have all the answers. Don't feel like you have to go into the conversation having all the answers. You may not be a Paul, but if you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, you can, you can certainly share with them your story and, and what God has done in your life. And so we see that with them as well. We, we see them sharing the gospel. If we're going to answer the call to win souls, we must look beyond gender, race, social status, and religion. I, I, you know, I didn't, I, I, I even thought for a second, you know, you, you sometimes you look and you think about, okay, well, this person, if I share the good news, that, you know, they may not fit in at my church or whatever the case may be. Look beyond that. When I was in the airport, I was thinking, man, if the church was like the airport, you see all types of people in the airport. It's got to be the most diverse place in the world. You see people from different backgrounds, cultures, everything in the airport, even on the plane. What if the church was like the airport? Where we were not so strategic in who we, who we looked at as far as race or anything like that, but we said, Lord, I know that you're, no, you're, you're, you're not partial, and so I know that the gospel, it, it, it affects everybody. Soul does not have an appearance. Look at the soul. The soul is what's important. And so sometimes we just think about things that are so superficial that really don't matter. That don't matter. They won't like our style of music. And isn't that, it don't matter. Share the gospel. Bear the good news. That's all he calls us to do. The great thing about about it is God just, he just calls us to bear, or calls you to be, be, to be a bearer of good news. And he says, leave the heart work to me. So if we're, gonna, if we're going to, to answer the call to win souls, not only do we, are we must share in, in God's concern for the lost and be a bearer of good news, but, but then we can leave the heart work to God. H-E-A-R-T, the heart work. Because that's what God does. When, when, when we plant the seed, when we, when we share the gospel, when we give, give the word, 
We pray that God will give it the growth. That's what we see here when, when Paul and the others were sharing the good news to Lydia. It, it says that, what does it say in verse 14, the latter part? It says, it says, who was a worshiper of God, the Lord, opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. So who opened her heart? The Lord. It wasn't because Paul was so eloquent. It wasn't because Paul had, had, had seen a vision of Jesus Christ. It wasn't because Paul was, was so theologically sound and, and, it, and it knew all this doctrine. Those things may have helped him to present the gospel. But the fact that her, art, her heart, that she responded to the good news was because God opened her heart to receive the good news. That takes the burden off of you and me when we're sharing the good news. Lord, I've shared it. Now the rest of it is your job. Because only God can affect the heart. That's what we see in, in Mark chapter 4, I believe, with the parable of the, the sower who sows the seed on the different soils. Some of it's rock, some of it's the path, the thorns, some of it's good soil. The sower just sows it. He just sows the seed. And then it says he, he goes to sleep. And it grows. That's how God works and operates. And again, sometimes we may not see the end result. We may not always see that person. We don't always have to, to, to be the one to actually lead that person to Christ, but maybe we can be the, the link in the chain that leads them to Christ. Just the link. Because you can be a link, and then somebody else comes, comes along, and they're another link, and then somebody else comes along, and then they're another link, and then a situation happens in their life, and that's a link, and then before you know it, they may find themselves giving their life to Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be great? You go to heaven. You see somebody in heaven, maybe a waitress or a waiter. You're like, ah! I remember. We don't, we don't know. We, we leave the heart work to God. Because God is the only one who can, who can change the heart. And we see this with, with Lydia. Winning souls does not depend on how charismatic you are or how articulate you are in sharing the gospel. It depends on God. Share the good news and pray to the Lord Jesus Christ that he would move in their heart. Now, those things are beneficial. It does help. We should have an understanding of the gospel, I believe. We should be able to, to just to be able to kind of explain what, what the gospel is, what the good news is. That God is a holy God. That we fell in sin because of Adam and Eve, they, they fell in sin, and, and because of that word, we all are born in sin, shaped in iniquity, and, and because God is holy, we cannot, he cannot dwell with sin and, and, and how we are separated from him because of our sin. But because of God's love, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus Christ to bear our sins and to bear the wrath of God for those that would believe in him and put their faith in him, that they would be reconciled, redeemed, that they would be declared righteous and made a new creation in Jesus Christ. And they will, they will no longer be, be enemies of God, but they will be children of God. And that they will dwell with God forever in heaven. Not because they're good, not because they do everything right, but because of Jesus Christ, because he paid the price for their sins. And if you don't know, if you don't know the gospel, if you don't think you're, you're familiar enough with it, the thing, that, that care and that concern for the lost, prayerfully that will lead you to say, okay, I need to, I need to begin to start to try, to try to do this myself a little bit more. 
Step out on faith. But know that if someone doesn't come to Christ, it's not your fault. If you share the gospel and they don't, they don't respond the way that you want them to. If God moves in their heart and opens their heart, it's amazing what God can do. Even with the, 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 the uh, gospel presentation that is the least articulate, God can use anyone. That takes the pressure off of you and me. I remember we were in Puerto Rico on the mission trip years, years ago, and <laughs> um, we were on this mission trip, and one of the, one, one of the days I, I remember uh, there was the idea that, okay, many of us are going to go to some homes of some of the, some of the, the locals there, we'll spend some time with them, and it was mentioned, said, Maceo, you and Terry Dent, want you all to go and play basketball with some of the, the guys at the basketball court. Mm. Keeping in mind, I hadn't played basketball in, in a few years, so I wasn't in basketball shape. But you know what? I, I, I got this. I, you know, I showed the guys in Puerto Rico how we do it in Louisville, so okay. <laughs> you know, your mind is willing, but your body is like, okay, I don't know, but your mind thinks, okay, I still got it, you know, right? It's like riding a bike, right? So, so I'm like, okay, we'll go and be nice if it was half court, but it was like full court. It was like regulation full court, and it's outside, and it's hot. It's night, but it's hot, and so, but okay, Lord, I'm trusting in you. So we go, and, and, and the thought was, okay, you're going to play basketball with them, and then they said, after you play basketball, you're gonna, we're, they're going to huddle up, and you're going to be able to share the gospel. Okay, that sounds good. So we play basketball and we start out, you know, you kind of start out like Jordan and then after a while you're like, I just want to survive the game. I just want to just finish. And then, you know, so we're, we play a, a, a long game and I hadn't played in a while. I didn't even have basketball attire. I don't even remember what I had on, but it wasn't shorts or anything. Like, I don't know what I had on. But we finished and then after we came over to the, to the bench, you know, the guys, a lot of the younger guys, they came around, and, and they're sitting there, and I remember Terry. Man, Terry's like the ultimate team player. I mean, he's like, Terry's like that, right? I mean, Terry's like, he's like cheering, rooting me on when I'm on the court, even though I ain't doing much on the court. He's, he's doing all that, and then we come over, you know, and he's like, Mace, you want some water? You know, and I'm like, I'm like, no, I don't want no water. You know, I'm like ready to go in, right? I'm ready to share the gospel. And they're huddling around, and then, I start to, you know, I got my gospel presentation down on how I'm going to do it. You know, I got it all, you know, okay, I'm going to talk about the basketball and how it has a purpose. And, and you know, I got all this down. I, I figured, okay, I got this compartmentalized. I got to be strategic. And then I'm starting to share the gospel. And I start to get a little lightheaded. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm sharing and I'm, I'm talking and, and I'm starting to get lightheaded. And, and it, it, you know, I'm starting to get dizzy and everything. And. And I'm like, man, I know I'm just not about ready to pass out here in Puerto Rico sharing the gospel. And then you start to think about things. Man, I'm like, I mean, I don't know how you think about these things when you're doing all this stuff at the same time. I'm like, man, I, what happens if I pass out and, you know, man, I'm in Puerto Rico and I don't know what's going on. And Terry, he, he must take notice of it, you know. And, and after a while, you know it's bad because I'm like, okay, I need to sit down. This is in the middle of me talking about the gospel. And so I sit down, 
And I tell, you know, I had Terry, I said, Terry, you go ahead and finish. You know, it's almost like WWE wrestling when, you know, somebody's on the, on the side and they're like trying to tag in or something like that. And I tag Terry in, right? And Terry comes in and, like I said, always be prepared, right? So Terry, he steps in and he, he does the, he, he kind of finishes. And I'm thinking to myself, there is no way anyone's going to come to Christ from this gospel presentation. And at the end, I think I must have kind of regrouped and caught my breath and everything. And, and at the end, two young men came to, the, came to Christ. And, you know, it was even to the point, I was like, man, did they set this up? Did they already have these men get ready to come just regardless of what happens? But that just shows how awesome God is that it doesn't, it's not, it's not dependent on how articulate you are at times or what you do, because that gospel presentation was messed up. But there was something in there that they heard that led them to, to know and God moving in their heart to let them to see that they needed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so from that point forward, I was like, man, you know what? It's not about a lot of the things that we make it out to be. Pray to the Lord. Ask him to open their heart. Lord, help me to trust in you to, to, to do the heart work. And if God could do that through what we went through, then he can do anything. And I'm convinced that the Lord was kind of like, you know what, watch, I'm going to show Maceo that it's not about him. You sit down for a second. And that's, the, that's how, how awesome God is. And he's the one who moves in our hearts. You and me, those who, of us who are here today and have given our life to Jesus Christ, it's not because, because someone explained it to us just so well. It's because God moved in your heart to respond. All of it's a matter of grace. It's all a gift from God. So we might thank the person who led us to Christ, but ultimately God is the one responsible. So praise God for his power, and being able to move in our hearts so that we would accept Jesus Christ. Because of the disciples, because they shared God's concern for the lost and, and were bearers of good news, Lydia became the first convert to Christianity in Europe. She became the first Christian. She became the first person in Europe to give her life to Jesus Christ. Amazing. And then we see her household give their life to Jesus Christ. And from there, Philippi, a church is established. And, and, if, and if you want to know a little bit about it, read the book. Read the book of Philippians. It talks about that church. And then we see from Philippi, just, it just grows and grows and grows. And, and before long, Europe is converted. And the gospel, not just, it doesn't just stay there. It goes west to America as well. Don't discount the magnitude of one soul coming to Jesus Christ. Just one. Winning one soul changes generations. Winning one soul changes communities. Winning one soul changes families. There are some people who were saved. One person saved, and the whole family is impacted by it. The whole family. And because of that family, then generations are impacted. 
because of one. Just win one soul. Just one. And you'd be amazed what God can do from that. He'll multiply it. God doesn't do just adding. He, he multiplies. That's the effect of the gospel. That's how it works. Focus on one. Lord, help me to win one soul. Just give me the privilege of winning one soul. Give me that joy. There's nothing like it. Let us not just be focused on winning other things, but Lord, help me to win one soul. Don't underestimate the impact of, of doing that. We see what happened with Lydia because the disciples were faithful to answer the call to win souls. Because they cared about the lost. They shared that, that God's concern for the lost. Because they were bearers of good news, they were intentional. They were looking for opportunities. And because they left the hard work to God and they trusted in God to move. Now each one of you, we've, we've for Easter and throughout this month, we've, we've really been focusing on trying to challenge each of you to, with, the, with the slogan of each one bring one. And so everyone here has an opportunity to answer the call to win a soul. Now, the responsibility of someone giving their life to Jesus Christ, that's not for you to do, but God just calls you to make the effort to be intentional, to try to share Jesus Christ, to lead them to know who Jesus Christ is. And so I want to challenge you to, to begin to think about and to pray and to, to engage or to confront somebody who you know is not in Jesus Christ and look beyond the superficial. Look beyond gender, look beyond race, look beyond social class, look beyond what religion or the God talk, if you will. Look beyond that and see their need for Jesus Christ. I don't want, what, I, what I'm going to also ask is that not only should you invite someone to church, see about bringing somebody to church. Because it, it's, it's kind of easy for us to invite. We can give them a flyer and invite and say, okay, Lord, I did, I did my work. I did what you called me to do. Which, if we, if we can just do that, that's fine. But at the same time, maybe even ask somebody, can I give you, would you, would you ride with me to church on, on that Sunday? Would you come with me? Because you know, if you're, you know how that is. You invite somebody and they'll be like, yeah, I'll come. And then you're like, where they at? So also just, Hey, why, why, why don't I just come pick you up? I'll swing by. We're having breakfast that morning as well from 9.30 to 10.30 for visitors and guests. We can have breakfast, and then we have service at 11 o'clock. Why, why don't you come? But not just inviting, but also pray about it. Spend time laboring in prayer this week. Just looking and saying, okay, Lord, place it on that person's heart to respond favorably when I do. Give me an opportunity to talk with him, to ask him to come. And not just doing those things as well, but also don't limit yourself to specific people. Again, as I said before, don't limit yourself to, to a specific person. Certainly, I think it's good if we can have a specific people, a person in mind that we want to talk to, but God may lead somebody else in, 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 your, in your path as well. And there may be an opportunity. 
So I just want to challenge you to bring someone and, and, and look to, to win them to Christ, to win a soul. There's, there's no greater reward than winning someone to Christ. It says that the, the, there's rejoicing in heaven, just over one who repents. Just one. Rejoicing in heaven. Just win one. Make that your, make that your aim this week. Lord, help me to not be distracted by other things that are going on. If we are faithful to answer the call to win souls, I'm confident that God will, will, will help us to, uh, he will use us to, 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 to win them and, and, and we will see God move in, in some mighty and miraculous ways. I think many times we, we don't see it because we, we sometimes doubt. We doubt the power of God to save. But God's power is on display right here today. Each and every person here, we all are a miracle. It's not just a drug dealer. It's not just a prostitute. It's not just those who really went through a heart. Every person here, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you are a miracle. A miracle. God wants to use you to reach the lost. That's, that's the mission of the church. So I pray that we will all respond and answer God's call and not ignore God to win the lost, to win souls. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we, we first thank you, Father, because Lord God, there's, there's no reason whatsoever that we should be in relationship with you, Lord God. We did everything possible, Lord God, to, to run and flee from you, Lord God. We deserve your wrath, Lord God. We deserve your holy wrath, your perfect wrath. But Lord God, oh, oh your, the love, Lord God, that you showed us that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. We thank you, Father. Lord, I pray, Father, for each and every person here, including myself, Lord God, that, that Lord God, we would, that we would first of all repent, Father God, that we would repent, Father, for not caring for the lost, that we would repent, Father God, for not being omission for you. And Lord God, I pray that you would move in our hearts that, Lord God, we would desire to take your word, Father God, and, and to move beyond our fears and, and our concerns and to trust in you, Lord God, to use us in leading someone to Jesus Christ. Again, we thank you, Father God, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for your power and your precious promises. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.